Parenting is hard. Few of us feel up to the task. The world is shifting, quickly and dramatically. All of us feel the changes affecting our families. The stress and pressure can be intense. We are here to help sort the good and the bad, provide insight and bring hope. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. We're so glad you stopped by. Hi, and welcome to season five of Brilliantly Brave Parenting. I am your co-host, Pastor Brad Mathias. I'm Robert Beeson, and we're glad to be here, right, Brad? I'm glad to be here, are you? I, yeah, well, kind of. Okay. <laughs> of course I'm glad to be here. Robert is uh, recovering from a head cold, and uh, you know, Robert, I think I was actually more fun when I was on all the medication. Yeah, you might have been. You're a little more chill today. Yeah, Yeah, not nearly as hyper. Um, Yeah, it's early though. Okay. Well, I mean, today is a new day, and so uh, I have great expectation for you to uh, to get ornery. Okay. Yeah, I'll do my best. I have a question for you though. Okay. You know, uh, for those listeners who may be just tuned in, uh, the entire season five, Robert and I have been quizzing each other about little eccentricities. And and we've learned some things that we We didn't know, and we've been friends for a long time. But these questions, yeah, I didn't know you were claustrophobic, and you didn't know I didn't like eggs. Yeah, which is crazy. We've eaten breakfast how many times together? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's you know, I guess we just slept walk through that. Pick a number, one through twenty five. Um, I'm going to say 14. 14 is a good number. You've already asked that question, so I'm going to, I'm going to pick, I'm going to audible. Okay. Um, what's something you want to do in the next year that you've never done before? Huh. Um, that I've never done, something I want to do in the next year that I've never done before. Um... That's a great question. You've got me stumped. I don't know if there's something that I've never done before that I want to do. Well, um, my answer... Uh, yeah, give me your answer. My answer was to go to Argentina and climb the Del Torres Glacier. Well, I'll... It's in Patagonia. I want you to do that. That sounds like... Well, I mean, idea. it's on my bucket list, right? It's like... It's next. That's so good. Do you have like a, pl- a culinary a, destination you've been dying to go to? Or? Well, yes, but it's not. It's Italy. I want to go back to Italy. I've been there before, so I've been there a bunch. But it's something that I, you know, it's it has to be back. new, Robert, or it doesn't count. Um. Uh. Okay. You know what? I want to spend a week at Lake Como. Where is Lake Como? In Italy, but I've never been there. Oh, Lake Como. It sounds like Isn't you said Cuomo? Cuomo. Yeah, you want to go hang out with George? Yeah. I do. Isn't it Cuomo? It's Como. C-O-M-O. Okay. Yeah. I want to go there. I got to go there two years ago with my kids. I know. On a Christmas trip. We took the train from Zurich to, to Rome. We stopped in Milan, and then we went up to Lake Como one morning. Just did it. I've been through it. I've taken the train from Milan to Switzerland, and you go alongside Lake Como. Right. But I, we didn't stop, so I've always wanted to go back. So there Well, you go. I can tell you, it's literally like... Another dimension, or like you've stepped across into time. Uh, it feels 200 years ago, at least. Well, uh, most of Italy feels ancient, but um, yeah. I hear that there's a charm that's unlike other It really is unique. In yeah. Italy. Yeah. Which is an interesting segue into our conversation, because we've actually had this guest on before while she was in Italy last year. <laughs> it's so true, yes. And the, the service was so bad that we just lost each other, so... Um, See how we were professionals that way. We segue very, very <laughs> totally nice unintentional. Segue. Yes, but uh, we're with um, with our guest Erica. We, why, why don't you introduce her, Erica Wiggenhorn? She's an author, a moody author. She's 
We love Moody. Yeah, Moody's amazing. She's released the book The Unexplainable Church, The Unexplainable Life, and that includes study guides, DVDs. She's got two degrees, two bachelor's degrees, and one graduate degree from Azusa Pacific University, and she lives in Phoenix with her husband, Jonathan, and she has a 12- and a 14-year-old son and daughter. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. Thank you. It's good to be back. It's great to have you here. And <laughs> it's we great to see have you and hear you. Yeah. And so how how ironic that this random question actually connects you to Italy. Did you go to Lake Como when you were there? We did. Uh, we had lunch in Bellagio and it was stunning. It was absolutely stunning. So you would recommend it to Robert? I would recommend it. Yes, okay. Robert. Okay. You should Done. I'll All right, so we expect to hear or get a postcard or something. Yes, absolutely. Right. Okay. <laughs> absolutely. Erica, thank you for your patience with us this morning. And uh, as we walk through sort of uh, your press kit, and I've been reading about your your scholarship, really, uh, tell us a little bit about these unexplainable series that you've been working with Moody. Sure. Um, I love the fact when you said I'm a Moody author. I usually <laughs> say I'm an author with Moody publishers because I don't like to be called Moody. I'm just throwing that out there. Well said. <laughs> you know, I'm, I am guilty <laughs> as charged. My family might agree with you. Let the but... record be refreshed. Yes, she's a Moody published author. My bad. Oh, um, So... Unexplainable Life and the Unexplainable Church are really Bible studies that walk the reader verse by verse through the book of Acts. And what drew me to Acts was this whole idea that every single one of us as a believer in Christ have a part to play in the kingdom of God. And I think this is so especially important when we think about ourselves as parents and the role that God has called us to play in the kingdom of God in discipling those those little people right around our own kitchen table, or in my case, um, two kids now that are taller than me um, <laughs> around my kitchen table. Um, but God desires to make our lives unexplainable to the world. And when you look at the story of Acts, what God really um, kind of X marks the spot for us in Acts 2, 42 and 43. Um, he really lays out his game plan for us as believers. And he shows us right there in those verses that what came about as a result of following that game plan where people looked at believers and they were filled with awe and wonder. We were, un they were unexplainable. He calls us to be unexplainable um, to the world around us. And I think um, as parents, that really is our game plan, um, not only for following Christ, but also for discipling our own children right there in Acts 2.42. Yeah, that's, man, I couldn't agree with that more. As I'm, Thinking about the landscape of the the Western culture today, and really the world's becoming global, so it's, it's almost not even a distinction anymore. Um, this is definitely a post-Christian era that parents are having to raise their kids in. And so families of faith are struggling with issues that have been foreign to the church for many generations. Sure. Um, you've got a 12 and a 14-year-old. Have you experienced that post-Christian pressure on your kids? Oh, absolutely. Um, 
my daughter has had situations where um, she's had friends at school that are reaching out to her because they uh, question uh, whether or not they are homosexual. Hmm. And, you know, these are big adult problems that our kids are having to face. And as um, being raised in a Christian home, you know, obviously we have taught our children to be kind and to be compassionate and to help people. And so they are facing situations where their friends are coming to them asking for help with really big adult issues. And they are struggling as young Christian teens like I want to help this person, but I don't know how to help this person. I don't even know what to say in this situation. And so our kids are, they are facing these adult issues, whether or not we want to believe that they are or not, they are. And so we need to be having um, these kind of conversations with them. Um, what what does that mean when, when kids come to you asking for help with adult problems? Right. You know, Robert and I are very familiar with these pressures. Uh, Robert has six kids in a blended family, three girls, three boys. I have three grown children. I know uh, that the current Generation Z, uh, is a, it's a sort of a name for this age group that's currently in high school and junior high. Generation Z uh, is facing really uh, a media-fueled uh, belief system. In other words, they've they've consumed over seventy hours a week now of of media, on average, and so that's what's sort of creating the framework for what they are going to believe and think and value in their adult years. So that the role of the Christian parent in that moment of formation, that junior high time and early high school, becomes more strategic maybe than at any other time in the modern era. Have you have you worked with your kids in the way that you sort of work with yourself? In other words, have you elevated the the effort to educate your kids to the point where it's almost adult? Have you found yourself having to do that? Um, absolutely. So when it comes to uh, the social media aspect, for sure, and even just the online aspect, because the the reality is even even within our own educational system, for instance, you know, our children have to be online. They have to be online to be doing homework. They have to be online to find out, uh, you know, what they're supposed to bring to youth group that night. You know, even in the church world, there's this aspect of they have to be online. And so we have to really talk to them about things that we probably as parents would prefer not to address with a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old about the reality of what's really out there online. Um, We recently had a police officer in our community. He came and did a a whole internet safety thing, actually for parents, educating parents about um, dealing with this whole online world with our kids. And um, he shared with us the importance of, you know, as parents, we have to be proactive in what he suggested. And I thought this was really powerful and this was not what I did originally, but I kind of backpedaled with my kids and realized, no, this is what I need to do. But he basically said, you know, when it comes to your kids in online um, situations, you know, normally our parenting um, MO is to sort of say, 
you know, these are the rules. You follow the rules. If you don't follow the rules, oh my goodness, sorry. If you don't follow the rules, you know, we're going to take your phone away. You're going to be on restriction, blah, 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 blah. And he basically said, what you really need to do with your kids is, is almost give them like a golden ticket and say, listen, if, if some, if you're in a situation online where you feel uncomfortable, you're feeling pressured to do something, you're feeling unsure, um, what, what to do, come to us. You're not going to get in trouble. We're not going to take your phone away. We're going to help you work through this. Um, so we can figure it out and, and respond in a, in a good way. And to me, that was, that was a real mind, you know, that was a real shift in how I traditionally parent with, okay, we step across the lines, you step outside the rules, you're going to have a consequence. And they were basically saying, listen, your kids, this, they are standing in this box that really has no walls and they might stay, their feet might stay on that cardboard square, but they are going to have a whole onslaught of people that are going to come into that square with them and they are going to need your guidance. And if you try to, um, set up walls, um, you know, cats out of the bag, respect that, but the outside world's not going to respect that. And so you need to figure out how to help your kids navigate that. I thought that that go over with your kids when you, when you basically told them, listen, this is the way we're going to approach it. Um, and did you find a different, I mean, I know it's a mindset change for parents, but do you, when you express this golden ticket idea to your kids, do they see that as like, kind of in partnership with parents rather than just the enforcing parents. Um, how did it, how did it go in your family when you discussed that with your kids? You know, I felt like it went really well. I felt like, um, in, in many ways it, uh, communicated a level of trust. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, that I believed in them. I believed that they were going to use this, this tool, um, wisely and with integrity. I believed that they were going to use it in, in ways that would, um, you know, reflect a life that honored the Lord. Um, but also just opening their eyes to the fact that, you know, there are a lot, there are dangerous people out there. Evil is a real thing. It exists. And, they have to be wise. And in many ways, when we are handing them that tool, whether it's an iPod or a phone or a laptop, we are allowing them to step into an adult world. Yeah. And so we have to realize that and we have to prepare them for that. Yeah, I know, Robert, you and I over the years uh, have talked a lot uh, about the idea of you cannot isolate your kids from the technology of our culture. Right. That is not an option. So you're, as parents, we're going to have to shift our strategy to helping erect or build a filter with them. So you use the media as an opportunity to teach. Yeah. And it, it's equipping our kids as much as, you know, it's not just enforcing and saying, you know, I'm going to, there's going to be punishment if you cross this line, like, like you said, um, Erica, but it's, it's also just saying, we want to give you some plans for escape or plans to get out of situations rather than, because it is, it's like I often compare it to like the internet now is like kind of dropping your kid off in Amsterdam, like with all these options and all these choices. And we have to equip them to be able to understand not only what not to do, but why not to do it. And then to, to tune into things that are even kind of subversive that they don't, they don't immediately 
Yeah. Nowadays, one of the things that scares me the most is that things are not as they seem, you know, whether it be a, a money scam or some kind of, you know, luring people into some kind of trafficking thing, whatever it is, it's just, there's a lot going on underneath the surface. Is that so, catfishing? Is that what they call it? <clears throat> I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, sure. I'm not being no, silly. No, 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 I know. No, I know I what think you're saying. I think, I think it's it on like MTV. That, yeah. There's a thing called catfish. Catfish, yeah. Yeah, where you pretend to be someone else and you're online you're dating trying. kind of stuff. Exactly. So yeah, kids get sucked into that, right? Exactly. Yeah. It is their world. Like we are not native to it, so it seems like abstract to us as a certain at a certain point, like as adults. But to them, this is all they've known. This is you know, it's sure. this is the world that they live in, and so we have to kind of change the way we approach it, rather than just say don't or you yeah. may not be there. Yeah. It's it's more. It, I'm sorry, but they are there. That is the world that they live in, yeah. and um, so it's it's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. And and I think too, we can't we can't say to ourselves, you know. I have good kids, so I don't have to worry. Because what we have to realize is, yeah, our kids are good, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to encounter evil. I can tell you from um, my own parenting situation, we had, um, we came across a situation with my daughter. Um, it was a game, it was a, a app game. Um, that I had approved for her to download. It was for ages nine and up. You know, I would never think about, you know, turning on the television. And if it's the rating is ages nine and up, I would never think to myself, oh, I should really preview this before I let right. my daughter watch it. You know, it's for nine-year-olds. Um, but this game had a chat feature. And after a couple of weeks of her, after she had downloaded it, I realized there was somebody that was chatting with her and over the course of time they had very uh insidiously begun to gather private information from her and wow. it was information that we had explicitly told her um you don't ever tell people your real name you don't tell people where you live you don't tell them where you go to school you know right. we had overall yeah. things but it was so um it was so sneaky yeah. the way that they did it. And, you know, and she's a good kid and right. she wasn't right. do, meaning to do anything wrong at all. But um, they had really tricked her. And, you know, I, I didn't even notice at first that this game had a chat, chat feature. feature. I wouldn't have even thought to look. But, I, you know, I think that was the grace of God and the Holy Spirit that I was like, Something, something's not right here and started doing some digging and, and discovered it. So we can't bury our head in the sand and say, Oh, I have good kids. They would never do that. Um, they're not looking they're for that. It's just, it, it's out there. Our kids may not be bad and that's not their pursuit, but along the yeah. way, it's inevitable. They're going to run into, I completely agree with you. We can't keep our heads buried in the sand. Yeah. And I, I think one of the, the things that that's insidious about a post-Christian culture, and I, I've dealt with this personally as a parent and as a pastor, mm. is that we can we can no longer assume that because our kids have sat in church or been a part of a youth group or a weekly service for kids, that they are going to retain and absorb and adopt the values of the Judeo-Christian world. Mm -hmm. uh, they may be compliant and they may be non-confrontational on the surface, but inside there could be a rejection occurring. And so I think one of the bigger challenges for Generation Z parents is to be very intentional, not a hostile approach, 
a respectful approach to just open the dialogue with your preteen or early teen. What do you believe? Yeah. Sure. What What is it that's in your heart? What's the foundation? Um, and I, I know we talked a little bit before the interview, Erica, that that was that was kind of something you were be pretty passionate about. Tell tell our audience a little bit about some of the things that you were sharing with me about that. You know, one of the things that that really grieves my heart that I've come across as a parent with kids these age in this this time frame right now, um, that, you know, 12, 10, 11, 12, 13, um, you know, it's like we have done a really great job at at um, engaging our little kids and providing all these materials. You know, we have these um, stunning picture books to read them, you know, before they go to bed when they're tiny about, you know, Joseph and <laughs> Moses and Daniel and all these heroes of the faith. And then when they get older, like late teens, you know, we start to have some resources for them to kind of disciple them. But in that in that kind of 11 to 14 stage, um, there's really just a hole there. It's like we've got some devotionals that that kind of talk about life application, um, but we really don't have a lot out there to really get our kids into the Bible, opening up the Bible, reading it, applying it to their lives, making connections, understanding it, understanding how scripture fits together as a whole. Um, we sort of seem to have this idea like they're not really ready for that, mm-hmm. um, you know, or they, you know, they're just, they just want to have fun. And, and, you know, I have not found that to be um, my experience in working with these kids and especially in Gen Z, because these kids are facing like really tough questions and they want answers. And instead of, of opening up the word of God and saying, you know what, there is, there are answers in here. There are answers to what you're asking in here. And instead of doing that, we're just kind of saying, oh, well, you know, they're going to figure it out. And when they get a little bit older, then we'll get a little more intense about, you know, in discipling them. And I think we're really missing the mark there. I think we're leaving these kids floundering and we're making assumptions about their maturity and about what they're wrestling with. And, these kids are ready for real answers about real life and um, and they're in the word of God, but we've got to give them the materials that that they can understand and relate to. Well, I think the thing that you're you're touching on that I, we couldn't agree more. I mean, it's the basis of what we do at iShine. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but it's it's realizing that our kids have these questions and they are actually being answered in the world. And we sometimes as parents are guilty of taking a posture of defense. When this comes up, I'll address it instead of realizing that this is already being addressed in the world. And so we need to be proactive at an earlier age about the foundation of our kids' faith. And I'm not just talking about the stories of how God created the earth, but I mean, just really tackling some of these. I'm guilty of like, I don't want to talk about homosexuality with my 11 year old or 12 year old. I don't want to talk about you know, whatever it is, sex or I don't, but the, I'm sorry, it, it's happening. And so if we're not answering some of those questions, sometimes our kids are even afraid to ask us, we need to realize that they are being answered somewhere else. It's just not by the word of God or by our perspective. Right. Well, and, 
And let's face it, I mean, they don't have to ask us because they can get out their iPod or exactly. sit down their laptop and Google it, right? Right, And then Google's going to answer their question or whoever posted this topic through Google, which, right. you know, heaven knows who that might be. I mean, when we were kids, we didn't have we didn't have access to, to things like that. It was like you either asked your friends and you got their opinion yeah. or you asked an adult in your life. I mean, these kids literally can sit down at a computer and anyone. Answer any question. Yeah. I'm my 14 year old. My 14 year old knows how to, how to fix the national debt. He knows how to like, I mean, obviously, I mean, this is not, but he'll just bring stuff up at table. Like, well, I'll tell you what the problem is with Israel or whatever. And like, it's because he's ambitious, but he just, he searches this stuff. It's incredible. And some of the stuff that he says is like, okay, that is way oversimplified. But to him, it's shaping his worldview. And I, I mean, it's, it's a fun conversation that we have at the dinner table because I challenge some of those things he brings up. The point I'm trying to make is that as Barna says often, and we say the cement is starting to harden up around some of the ideals and the thoughts that our kids have by the age of 13. And so if we are not putting what we want into that cement, that cement is going to be cured without the word of God, without the perspective of the faith. And so I think it's what you're bringing up is a really important reminder for us parents to be proactive and not wait to answer the question once it comes up, because it's, if it comes up at the dinner table, it's probably already been answered by Google, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So to sort of bring this conversation all the way around, um, we do have a crisis of, of faith in our culture. There's definitely an onslaught where uh, the values that have been in the biblical record for 4,000 years are suddenly being discarded as out of place or inadequate to really give context to a modern life or a modern family. And so the Christian parent is going to have to live a life like that Acts 242 church mm -hmm. if kids are going to believe in what we say is true. Absolutely. So that's one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on this podcast, Erica, is because you are delving into what does it look like to live an unexplainable life. Mm -hmm. And only that sort of demonstration of sort of the power of God or the signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit in, in, at work in real life is going to testify to the fact that there is something in this biblical record that is worth respecting and, and living under mm. uh, rather than our culture. you have any last thoughts maybe that a parent who's feeling that right now uh, feeling inadequate, feeling like maybe they just don't know what to do. How do they? How do they begin to reclaim their their uh, sort of influence as parents? Sure, that's such a great question. Um, you know, my pastor often says, and I think this is so true. He says, you know, more is caught than taught. And I think sometimes as parents, we get so wrapped up in, you know, we have to teach our kids this and we have to teach our kids that. And a lot of what we teach our kids is just by them watching us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you look at Acts 2.42, you know, there were essentially four things that these early believers committed themselves to. The first was um, the word of God. You know, it says the, the apostles teaching because they didn't have bound Bibles like we do today, but they committed themselves to the word of God. They committed themselves to the fellowship, meaning they had authentic um, 
relationships with other believers. Um, I think this is one of the biggest things as parents that we need to to be about. If we are trying to um, live our Christian life in isolation and we don't have um, other Christian families we're doing life with, mm-hmm. um, that is a big, big mistake. And um, the third one was um, the breaking of bread, which is essentially being committed to a local church. Uh, we need to be modeling that for our kids, that church is important and being part of church is important. And going to church isn't about just showing up to hear a sermon. It's about the kingdom of God and, and ministering to other people and being available to God for however he wants to use us. And then the last one is prayer. And I think as parents, we can never underestimate the power of prayer. And many, many times as a mom with my kids, you know, I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this situation. I don't know what to say to my kid. I don't, do I discipline them? Do I not discipline them? How hard do we come down? You know, there have been so many nights my husband and I, you know, we've sat in our room and gone, what do we do? I don't know. You know, asked friends. Um, but many times the only thing we knew to do was pray. And our God is faithful and he hears the prayers of his people. And I think that we cannot ever underestimate that power. And what I would say to any parent out there is if you are in a situation and you are just confused and overwhelmed, pray, pray for your kid, pray for their friends, pray for the other adults that are in your kids' lives, ask God for wisdom, but don't feel like prayer is just like this. Well, I don't know what else to do, so I'll pray. Um, pray, Praying is often the best and most powerful thing we can do. Man, as you were saying that, I, you know, the Acts two forty two idea, those four essential foundations of the Christian church, uh, these practices, these disciplines, these devotions, these habits that form us, they actually recreate us into God's image. Um, there's they're sort of straightforward and in your face, right? This yeah. idea that that there is a a role that we play. There is a, a a devotion that a parent is responsible for if they want to stay vibrant and engaged and effective in their kids' lives. And so, uh, I re- I am grateful that you reminded us of that. And you know, the unexplainable part of living it you don't have to have a fantastic gifting to live an unexplainable life. You right. just have to hear the voice of God and obey it. It's mm-hmm. that simple, really. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we've had an amazing uh, conversation with Erica, and we are so appreciative of your passion that as a parent and as a scholar, as an author, where can uh, our audience find you? Where are you online? Um, You can go to my website. It's just ericawiggenhorn.com, and there's several ways to connect with me there. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I'm the only Erica Wiggenhorn, so it's pretty easy to <laughs> nice. pretty easy to find me. <laughs> That's awesome. I know a lot of jealous people out there that you know really want the name Wiggenhorn, but <laughs> I, I married the right guy. <laughs> well, you, you at least you're owning it. You know, you're not hiding it. You're this is who I am. That's awesome. Well, I can tell there's a lot more where this came from. And uh, I am very, you know, Robert, it's always cool when you bump into someone who's seen the same stuff. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's very affirming that, yeah, this is a Generation Z issue. This is a hostile culture. 
If you're a parent listening today, I just want to encourage you, if nothing else from this entire episode, know you're not alone. Yeah. I mean, there, yes. there's a lot of us out there and we're all wrestling with this. Absolutely. Uh, that's why this podcast exists. So thanks again, Erica, for joining us. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me be here. What our kids believe is going to define them for a lifetime. According to George Barna, by the age of 13, what a kid believes is what he'll die believing. For parents and for pastors, that's a frightening experience, especially if you've got an 11 or 12 year old. At the iShine Ministries headquarters, this became a huge priority in the last year. We partnered with the Tween Gospel Alliance to bring you a brand new resource known as the Shock and Awe Study Guide. And I'm here with one of the co-founders of this entire program, Robert Beeson. Can you tell us what is the Shock and Awe Study Guide? It is awesome. More than that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> The Shock and Awe Study Guide is a super cool thing that either a parent can do with their kid or a youth pastor can do with their students or a children's pastor can do with their students. And here's the cool thing about it. It is apologetics for kids. Wow. So it's the really huge evidence and thoughts of apologetics wrapped in a way that is really tangible and simple for kids to understand, answering four primary questions. And they are, what if there's a God? What if the Bible is true? What if Jesus is who he said he was? And what if I'm part of that plan? And we believe if you can answer those four questions and you are drawn through evidence proving those four questions that really it's going to it's going to establish a pretty unshakable foundation of faith that sounds very helpful especially if you're a parent or pastor and you're concerned about the condition of your child's faith what they believe what the voices of culture are telling them if that's you and you're interested go to ishinelive.com and check out in our web store the shock and awe study guide it has a digital cloud video base so it's four studies in a small paperback volume for nine dollars and it has four videos that go with four studies it can be done in a weekend it can be done over a month or it can be done bi-monthly however you need it it is a fantastic resource that i have used as a pastor in my own home church and i have been impressed so check it out check it out well robert it's always great to meet another uh, expert if you will or author are you assuming um, you're an expert so with another expert it's pretty pretty bold of you. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> uh, how about another activist or advocate? I know what you mean. Someone it, that, that his body is passionate about something. And um, yes, it is. It's, it's affirming, like you said. Um, but it's, it also just kind of, when you hear it from somebody else, it actually gives even more clarity to, to what you have believed and even more facets to like what we talked about. Cause we've talked about, the fact that, you know, the kind of cat's out of the bag, our kids are in, you know, in a digital world and whatever. But we talk about that a lot. But when you hear it come back to you from someone that, you know, it's unprompted, it it reinforces it. And it also just, I like her illustration of this box that people are in, you know, you, you, you can't stop those. There are no walls. We try to erect all these walls, but they don't work. If your right. kid uses a computer or is online in any way, they're exposed. They're exposed. Yep. So yeah, it was it was great, and I love the fact she she approaches everything from such a um, a biblical perspective, and um, yeah, just a great conversation. A lot of respect. Yeah. For her. I, you know, aside from calling her Moody, uh, I thought hilarious. it was a great interview. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it when you step into stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, this sure. is a Moody author. Yeah, this is a Moody author, <laughs> and people out there. 
we're in the industry, so you know all the publishers. You know, if you say a moody author, you know exactly what that means. Most people don't track publishers. Right. And so when you- Yeah, no, that's my bad. I'm glad she clarified I that. own it. It's terrible. I'm so sorry, Erica, after the fact. But, you know, the point that I like is that there is a uh, sort of a rising up of parents right now, I think, mm -hmm. within the culture saying, we're going to have to do some stuff different. Mm -hmm. uh, the status quo isn't going to work. And because the culture is so different, because it's so hostile to what I believe, I'm going to have to be more vigilant, more aware mm -hmm. than maybe uh, past generations of parents, at least in this area. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so that part of it was encouraging to me. I, I just, there's a, a reminder, you know, George Barn is kind of the guy that started all this yes. for us. You know, George's book, Revolutionary Parenting, is now a classic um, but it's it really predicted where this was headed. Absolutely, and it he really saw ahead of time uh, what what was coming to the Western culture in particular and the value shift that was going to occur. And it just reminds me we have resources that we we don't talk about too much, like the shift video with mm -hmm. with George and Francis Chan. It's available on our website. It talks directly. It talks directly to this stuff, and it's yeah. uh, it's ten dollars. So it's it's not an expensive resource. You can even download it on Vimeo and just stream yeah. it yeah. Um, but even the things like the apologetic study the shock and awe study yeah i mean it's it's directly sort of responding to this issue for the parents that like they see okay i've got an issue crap what am i going to do right we have some resources there are resources out there and and even just the twin gospel alliance as a as an organization where there are all these different ministries and groups that have said we're going to make stuff for this age group mm -hmm. and so you know, I would encourage anyone who's wanting to dig a little deeper here, find out what's available, what's out there. I think of the Adventure Bible uh, that yeah. David C. Cook does. It's fantastic. It's oh, done it's by amazing. a Marvel illustrator. Yeah. I mean, the Pilgrim's Progress movie that, that we talked about a few weeks ago. Yeah. You know, that's in CGI. It's. I mean, there are responses yeah. to this culture. It's just about finding them. Right. And so that's part of why we're here. Exactly. Well, if you're a regular listener, we would appreciate you stopping by and seeing us on brilliantlybraveparenting.com. It'd be great if you could support us or leave a little bit of something in our donation button. Uh, we do rely on the support of our listeners and friends. We are a nonprofit organization, and we are committed to helping parents navigate a post-Christian culture. So until next week, we'll... Uh We'll see you soon. <laughs> Is that Until next week. <laughs> Until yes. next week. We'll see you next week. Uh, there you go. Bye-bye. Total professional. Be encouraged, parents. You are not alone. In Paul's letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he writes, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Brilliantly Brave Parenting wants to be an encouragement and support that parents can rely on. Would you consider liking us and sharing us with a friend? As a part of the Tween Gospel Alliance, we are a nonprofit organization dependent on the support of friends like you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be right here next week.
Well, we're very excited to announce a partnership with the guys that we know from Boise, Idaho, Robert. Yes, we are. New release today. They're fantastic. Very, very relevant for what's going on. If you want to discover new music in the Christian realm, that's kind of the only place to go. Yeah, and not only do they have amazing music and amazing reviews and just a lot of information about Christian artists, but they are creating with us a brand new devotional product call it IRL Resources. Do you know what that stands for, Brad? I found out. You did? What does it stand for? It stands for In Real Life. That's exactly right, Brad. Very good. In Real Life, because a lot of times we have these standard devotionals that you know that, that we see, and, and we thought that it would be kind of cool to use their expertise in Christian music, couple that with actual scriptural and devotional thought that digs you deeper, not only into the song, but incorporates it into real life. And so it's a very vibrant and very awesome resource for families and for pastors. Yeah, and so if you uh, have a preteen or a teen in your home and you're looking for a new devotional to do weekly, we have a digital subscription online at IRLresources.com. It's very inexpensive. The first study is free to check it out. There's nothing to lose. You should go there and see what's the latest thing in Christian devotional. Absolutely. You won't regret it. Hi, it's Pastor Brad with Brilliantly Brave Parenting, and I am letting you know about a really awesome podcast. If you are a solo parent or you know someone who's solo parenting right now, have I got a podcast for you. Uh, Dear friend, co-host of our show, and my partner in crime, Robert Beeson has started something really spectacular. Robert's here in the studio. Tell us about it. Yeah, thanks, Brad. So Solo Parent Society podcast is talking to solo parents out there that are doing it alone. We uh, talk to other solo parents that are out there, talk about their struggles and insights that they've come across, as well as experts in the fields that solo parents deal with the most. I was a single parent for eight years, raising three girls. My co-host was a solo parent raising a boy and a girl also for I think about seven years so together we talk about these different topics and we have great guests either solo parents like I said or experts in the field so it's it's new it's authentic it's real it's raw and it's and it's super fun solo parent society podcast brilliantly brave is supporting and encouraging and endorsing what this is and if you want to check it out it's available what on iTunes yeah everywhere that brilliantly brave is awesome thanks